Hi everyone, this is Scott McLeod with another episode of the Coronavirus Chronicles. I have with me today two amazing educators from Compton, California. Um, Jose Gonzalez is a learning specialist in the school district and Darlene Perez is an Apple Distinguished Educator, AKA Superstar Teacher. <laughs> um, and they are coming to us live from Bunch Middle School right now. So Jose, Darlene, just tell us a little bit about the school or schools that we're gonna be talking about today. Uh, the kind of families that you serve, what your learning model is, what you're trying to make happen. Let's start there. So for this summer program, it's an optional program. We open, open it up to four different schools. So it's four different middle schools. A lot of our students come from low, um, low income, um, low income families, yeah. foster care, and majority of them are Hispanic. And we have 100% uh, free lunch program at all our schools. Gotcha, thank you. So I actually wanna step back before we talk about the awesomeness that's in the room here um, and talk a little bit about the spring. What was it like for you all to shift online? So, so for me, as I was mentioning, I, I run the tech team. And so my, my students are pretty much, you know, the ones that uh, high achieving, um, they, they would come in on weekends, on, 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 on holidays, and I noticed that even with those projects, even with those students that I was having difficulties with them, either turning assignments or they were losing interest. And we're building, you know, stop motion videos. We're creating programs or we're writing code. And I was shocked because these are kids who always go above and beyond. And it, not until we did a video when I called it Life in the Times of Corona after uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, he wrote a story, Life in the Time of Cholera. And we did a video and I just asked them questions, what they were feeling and what they were, what's going on at home. And not until that I actually had a chance to sit down and heard them is that we had a turnaround and I gave them time to interact with each other. And we gave that time for just for, for interaction with their peers because they don't see them anymore. And so that was a major for me. Charlene, did um, I was working so much. Like, I don't know. My phone never stopped because I opened uh, my Google voice number to my students, which I usually don't do except for when we go on field trips. So I had parents and I had students and I had kids that weren't my students, but they were at my school asking for help. I was doing a lot of the teacher trainings. So like I had many job titles. So I literally felt like I was working 24 seven. It was really crazy. I didn't do too much of the like live interaction with my kids, but we did open it up and I didn't do teaching. I just opened it up to talk. Cause I was like, I want to know how you guys are feeling. Cause I know that you guys are going through stuff because I'm going through it too, because we're all in this together. So, um, I kind of just stepped back and I kind of just gave the kids the same amount of work we usually would do in class. And a lot of my kids were like, I'm so glad that you're doing this and you're not giving us extra because a lot of the other teachers were going overboard like, oh, you're at home. Here's a bunch of work. Right. And I realized that some of the kids were going to work with their parents. You know, a lot of different things were happening. And I was like, I can't expect them to do what? they would do in school because there's so many different things going on. I don't know what's going on in their life. And I just took it from that approach. But a lot of kids didn't want to participate. And mm -hmm. I was constantly calling parents and calling the same parents and calling the same parents. 
And for me, that was part because of the tech team. We build uh, strong uh, parent support. So I, it was a little bit different. All of my parents are in tech, so I'm able to communicate them constantly. And I, that's another component I think that's extremely important is that relationship building with the students as well as with the teachers. And both of us were involved in training teachers, so we had a chance to see both sides with our own students and also the teachers that we taught uh, how to do distance learning. Absolutely. So, Jose and Darlene, uh, one of the things that we saw this past spring as everybody kind of went into emergency survival mode is that even if they had some rich, robust learning happening locally, when they went remote, they kind of reverted back in some ways, right? We saw a lot of worksheet or homework packet-like stuff going home because that was the stuff that we could get out quickest and easiest. It was also the stuff we could get home in backpacks to families that didn't have good access. But, I, you know, what I'm excited about today to talk about with you all is that uh, we actually have ways that we can do better than that or be more robust than that, even in remote settings, right? So wondering if you can share a little bit with us about sort of some ideas you have about what can it look like? What can robust teaching and learning look like, even if we're in wholly online formats? What do you got for us? Well, one important is project-based learning. So having students collaborate with each other, they could do work from home that we assigned that were interactive, they were doing stop motion projects, they were building movie trailers, uh, creating keynote uh, apps with prototypes. But the other part is that we made it fun using that gamification strategies. A lot of the stuff we learned from uh, PBL Works, project-based learning training we received as well. And we, everything was built on gaming, so the kids had a chance. They were learning about Latin America through a Jeopardy-type game, and so they were very encouraged. There's lots of bells and whistles to get them involved. And also, uh, we combined the COVID element as well. And so we took real-life applications, real-life events that happened in Latin America, and kids would have to create, they would have to conduct missions where they would program their robots to go to different countries and different cities to deliver supplies or ventilators, what have you. Yeah. And this took that. It's crazy because we came up with the idea, but we didn't realize how much math was going to go into it. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of math went into it and we're not math teachers. And so at one point we were like, how come the kids are getting the wrong answers? Like I literally took out a tape measure and I'm like, this is um, the correct measurement. Like how, how the kids are not getting the correct measurement. What are we doing wrong? So we had to collaborate with a, math teacher to figure out what was going on and we realized that the kids had to use the Pythagorean theorem. So we had to teach it to the kids. And first we had to make sure we understood it in order to just teach it to the kids. The first uh, obstacle was learning how to say it. But <laughs> then we had to figure it out. And if you look at our map, what I really wanted to do is we have numbers on the side. This is Latin America, if you guys can see. Um, we have coordinates all around. So it's almost like a coordinate plane. And I wanted to take it and I wanted to put the coordinates on it, but we couldn't get a photo good enough from up high. So we literally created a chart that gave the kids the coordinates. So they had to be able to figure out the coordinates where they were and where they were going. So it was a lot of math in the yeah. Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> And also, don't be afraid. To, 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 failure is an option here. Uh, we there, a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of things that we did not know. One was how we were going to add all those views in Zoom. 
how could we add phone how could we add cameras to the to the robots and so all those things we learned through the, uh, along the way and we're grateful that also UCI which support you know they were the sponsors of the gear up program uh, dr rudolfo acosta from uh, UCI uh, university of irvine he's he was he's a construction of his way of view uh, and education and he's supportive he says we like your idea go and so we had that support. And like I said, I had the concept, but Darlene brought all that expertise in trying to figure out all the technical uh, challenges we had with views, how to get things to work. The best thing I think I created was this thing on the robot where I put the camera. It's actually a phone, it's a cell phone. Yeah. So what we did was we had probably about 15 views of this map and this is like 30 feet by 30 feet almost the map on the floor. And um, we joined in from different iPads and different cell phones as Zoom participants. So kids were able to toggle between the different views. So they were able to see where the robot was actually going. So that was really cool too for them. So I really that over that. <laughs> so you have this awesome setup there. Um, what are the kids doing from home? Like how are they interacting with all this? How are you? Uh, what are you asking them to do in terms of submitting things? What does that look like? Yes, yeah, so we found a couple. One of the applications we used a lot was Socrative, Be Socrative, and that has a, a rocket race. That, that's how we were reinforcing the lessons that the students had in their Latin American studies. And this was great. We had a chance to collaborate with those Latin American teachers uh, that they were teaching, and they helped us with questions that we would ask the students, as well as projects. So we did Socrative, and then we found another website called Factile, which was a Jeopardy game. Mm -hmm. we, we used those questions, and the kids were actually able to click on the buzzer from home. So it's a competitive aspect. Yeah. Okay, but there's some point where kids are coding and programming, right? And then yes. how do they yeah. see their robot in action? <laughs> yeah, I wish we could share so we can show you. The, the, we made a dashboard, like a, day, a game console with, with uh, Google Slides. And that has all the buttons that we that take you to the map, to the converting site. Because you know, let's say if you're in uh, Rio de Janeiro at 21 feet north, and you're at three going uh, east, you have to add those numbers to the. If you're going to go to uh, Cordoba in Argentina, which is at six feet we, uh, east and 25 feet south, and so they would add all those numbers and then convert them at a website that converted for the Lego Mindstone robots. So when they would get an answer right on Factile, if they were in a group, we would just send them to a breakout room so that they can discuss the thought process of how to figure out how many rotations they needed. So they would have to look at the coordinates and they'd have to do the math and they have to multiply. And then they had to put in the tire converter, which would finally give them the number of rotations. And sometimes their conversions were correct and sometimes they were not correct. <laughs> so then they had to figure out how to fix it to make it correct. Got it. So is there some kind of live stream where like when they submit their instructions, they see the robot actually go? <laughs> yes. And that was the cool part. That's the, the obstacles that we had. So they could see it from the view from the robot itself as it's moving. But we also had bird's eye views. And we also had uh, handheld iPads that they could actually see everything going. Yeah. That's and, really so, and that was, you know, both of our concerns. How would the kids actually get on it if they're not really there? So we provided all the possible views and angles that possible so they could see the robot in action. That's yeah. fantastic. So yeah. it feels... 
clear to me sort of the robotics part of this and the math part of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also built in sort of a humanities piece. So how did they get that part, right? Just because just you can drive your robot from one part yeah. of Latin America to another part doesn't mean that you're learning about Latin America, right? No. Right, so there, there would be a question, uh, you know, uh, 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 what civilization uh, encompassed that region from Mexico to Central America? And so they would have to know about the Mayas or the Aztecs, also know history, who was Eva Perón, who was Pablo Neruda, uh, all these, who was Fidel Castro. And so of course I was born in Cuba, so of course they had to know something about my, you know, where I was born, but um, even if if they didn't get a question right, they couldn't get a mission and they needed to get as many missions as they could because we had a prize incentive at the end. So the teams that scored the highest got prizes. So they knew that, you know, they wanted the prizes, so they needed to score. And also geography, they needed to know where those cities were. So they had Google Maps and eventually they would know by finding those cities where, so all this is connected like an app machine of all the different types of apps that we use. And the last one was a component that on fourth and fifth mission, if they had a fourth mission would come up, that would be an at-home project they had to complete. And so that involved whether you had to make an, make an iMovie trailer about a famous uh, political leader activist or a stop motion movie that showed actual the art form or artists of Latin America or an ebook where they had to write about a uh, civilization of Latin America. Or make a TikTok video of a dance. <laughs> Darlene touched, <laughs> opened up TikTok. I had no clue to thank God for her. She All the kids TikTok. are doing it. All the cool <laughs> kids are doing it. <laughs> so it was awesome that they had to do a TikTok video of them doing what? Um, a, a dance from Latin America. So yeah. we got some salsa in there. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> they didn't have to actually post it on social media, but just the concept of doing it. That's what we were looking for. And, and one thing that we did do at the beginning is we realized that, you know, we're from Compton. So a lot of people automatically assume that, you know, maybe it's just Mexican or maybe it's just black. And we surveyed our kids and we we're like, hey, where are you guys from? Like, what's your um, national background? And a lot of the kids are from different parts of Central America. So what we did was we actually... Um, took them and put them into the map right. so there's a pupuseria <laughs> over in el salvador over there that belongs to christy and she is getting quite rich um <laughs> yeah so the person the person awesome. yeah we personified and we put them in characters in the in the game itself yeah <laughs> so <laughs> and so that made it more fun for them because they're like oh wow this is cool like i'm learning about my region and my area so yeah. and also that right that for example i'm born in cuba say so they had no clue how different the culture that i came from you know was different from theirs and so all this experience they had a chance and of course the other one was the missions themselves were based on real life applications we went to a website that actually lists by country all the events that were happening in latin america and so we took those actual missions, whatever happened in Argentina, we created that into a mission. And so they learned, uh, you know, where the, 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 uh, the hot points were and everything else, yeah. flashpoints. Y'all, this is absolutely fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, Thank you. We're kind of getting close to the end of our time here. What are what suggestions you have for teachers to think in these ways about you know, online remote learning during the pandemic, particularly if they're not well-versed in PBL strategies. Yeah. What tips and strategies do you have for them? 
Well, first, we have to also acknowledge that thank you to Michelle Dawson from the EdTech department. If it wasn't for that department training us and training many of the teachers here, we wouldn't have that as well. But we collaborated a lot. Like, yeah. he came up with the idea and the EdTech department were like, no, it's not going to work. It's not work. And I'm like, no, it's going to work. Don't worry about it. We got it. We got it. So it's okay to fail. But it's also better if you collaborate and you don't always have to collaborate just with people in your district. There's tons of resources. There's a ton of yes. Facebook groups where people think outside of the box yeah. and it's so fun sometimes to share it with other people. I was just thinking we reached out to Joe Ryan at U, uh, university of Arizona and they send us ideas. So we were constantly asking people that we knew to send us ideas and uh, work with other disciplines. So again, we knew nothing about math and we, we asked <laughs> the math teachers. Uh, we worked with the with ELA teachers. But the first thing in mind was, we knew that we were in an environment that we needed to engage. It couldn't be your simple, like you said, those worksheets just wouldn't work. No. If they don't work in the class, they're definitely not gonna work on online. So anything that, that, that allowed the kids one, that the kids wanted so badly just to see other kids and work with them. So anything that, that involves them working together, getting a chance for them to get a chance to see each other, even if it's online, and then making for an opportunity that they're learning and they don't really realize they're learning because we added all those gamification components. In there as well. <laughs> the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> right. I know I'm probably saying it wrong yeah. still. So, but. <laughs> You're totally stumped. That was a great classic, which stumped into the we had a mini lesson from the math teacher. <laughs> yes, yeah, what was, I can't remember the formula, but it was that. <laughs> so I think, you know. My seventh I, grade teacher is like, yeah, I didn't teach her. <laughs> it wasn't her. <laughs> but we also, again, it was the background that we had, the training in project-based learning also, and in, in those technical skills that we learned, that we were able to app Nash and take different, different things that we learned from all different teachers. And, Again, we had leaders that were willing to trust us to take a risk and say, try this. If you, even if you fail, if let's see, what, out, we can okay. see yeah. what you can learn from it. Yeah. And, and I think the kids came back. Like she said, she had a, a student that didn't even have to come to that class. He'd come anyway. Yeah, he came every day. He was so happy. And when he wasn't there or when he was late, we're like, where is he? Like, what's going on? And the fear was we started at 9 o'clock. They were saying, it's too early. The kids aren't going to get up. And I said, I think they will. You know, I think they will. And, uh, they and, did. <laughs> and also the real, the real world application as well. Here the kids get a chance to actually see. And that's what I saw with the, uh, when I asked the tech squad about their experience. We brought those experiences that they had into the lesson itself. COVID is happening. We didn't ignore it. And we brought it into real life. Because some still have family members that might be there. Mm -hmm. And they get a chance to see what's happening. So we made it real. Absolutely. Jose and Darlene, this is incredible. I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk. Thank you for sharing with all the people who will listen to you and see this video. Um, great to know that some fantastic things are happening out in Compton. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Take care. Bye.